This is Echozoe Radio, episode 145 for May 2020 with Chris Honholtz, a discussion cornucopia. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 145 for May 2020 with Chris Honholtz. Chris is a parole and probation officer in Fernley, Nevada, near Reno, and host of Voice of Reason, a podcast he does with friend Richard Story and part of the Christian podcast community. Chris joins me for this episode for a friendly discussion on a few varied topics. It's a discussion cornucopia. Also, our discussion will be available on Chris and Richard's show as one of their episodes, in a sense, I'm filling in as a guest co-host on Voice of Reason in Richard's Place. Standard show notes for this episode are available at the website. You'll find a basic outline of the discussion, a list of any scriptures referenced during the show, and links to additional resources and related episodes. You'll find that at echozoe.com slash 145. No video this month. Last month I recorded a video, but it didn't turn out well, so I abandoned it can be tricky to set it up right, and I haven't had the chance to get the wrinkles ironed out. But uh, please send me some feedback on the video so I can decide on how much effort's worth putting into it. Do you prefer video, or do you just want to listen through your favorite audio podcatcher? If there's a lot of interest in video, I'll continue to pursue it as a regular option, though the ultimate decision on whether or not to record video is always up to the guest of the month. And as long as I'm talking about video, I do enjoy doing video outside of this podcast. It's been a long time since I've done Echozoe Answers and would love to get back to doing more of them. If you have a theological question that you'd like me to investigate and answer, uh, please send it my way. Best way you can do that is so that I'll see it quickly would be th either through Twitter, which is at Echozoe, or the contact form at echozoe.com slash contact. Facebook works, but I'm not really very uh, on Facebook very often, so I may not see your comment or, or question for several weeks, maybe even longer. With that, here's my discussion with Chris. Chris, it is uh, great to have you back. This is so my first time on your show. It's your third time on my show. Yes, uh, thank you for having me on. It's always a blessing and uh, being to being a part of Echo Zoe. Uh, it's it's funny because for the longest time I wasn't. We weren't doing any kind of uh, interview because. Honestly, as nice as it is to have all the equipment that you and others were so kind to get us, um, I was terrified of hitting the wrong buttons and not getting it right. So <laughs> we're only finally starting to to do guests uh, with other shows, and it's it's a blessing to have you on. Uh, unfortunately, Rich couldn't be uh, with us today, so this is this is a great opportunity for for you guys to for our folks to hear you as well. Yeah, well, and I thank you for having me, and uh, I'm you know I, I'm hoping Richard's doing well. I know that. He couldn't do a show with you this week, and I'm happy to sit in for him for your show. Yeah. But I, I pray that 
he's uh, back in the swing of things quickly. Yeah, he's uh, he just had a full week. And, uh, you know, one of the things that when we started Voice of Reason Radio, we always had an agreement that family and and personal issues that, you know, taking care of those always come first. Mm-hmm. And e- even when it's not like end of the world crises, hey, if if you're just not feeling well or you've had a bad week, hey, we'll do a we'll do a, uh, a, rewind. a rerun episode. We'll come up with a solo episode. We'll do something because we always try to, uh, he's, so he's yeah. doing okay. He just, he had a pretty, pretty full week. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do weekly shows, right? Yes. So, so, uh, I do monthly. It's a little easier when those family issues come up, but yeah. well, I got three more weeks in a, in a month. To, <laughs> I generally like to get my shows up on the first of the month. Now, again, this is, Probably, I don't know, at least the second or third month in a row now that I'm a little bit behind. But one of these months I'll catch up. We keep telling ourselves that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my wife would like to use this uh, this pandemic, this uh, stay-at-home stuff, and, uh, and, and go to her parents' house in Arizona. Now, her parents aren't there, so we're not going to violate social distancing <laughs> thing. That's kind of the neat thing. They came back to Minnesota. They left this empty house in Arizona and she really wants to go down there. So <laughs> if anything, that'll probably throw me even further behind because we'll go down there and then I'll, well, I'm not dragging my equipment with me. <laughs> well, you've got a pretty full setup. It would be a little bit of difficulty. <laughs> well, you know, but I, I, last, uh, I think October, I, I got the roadcaster, which is a phenomenal, awesome podcasting board. And so my setup is, is my footprint's gotten smaller. I, I probably oh, could drag, especially if we drive to Arizona, which would be my preference with dollar thirty gas, I would rather drive than fly, <laughs> you know, but this is, uh, this is like high school gas is low and we're all grounded. We can't <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or that meme that's been going around for years. It says, you know, you're getting old because, uh, because what used to be a punishment is now a great night. You know, you got to stay home and, uh, you know, you got an early curfew. You're not allowed to leave the home. Like that's my paradise. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, I love it when somebody posted, when, when the shutdowns went into place, some of us were like, you know, my life didn't change all that much. I wonder what that says about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, ours got a little easier because we're always all, we're, we're, we're all often home. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad. My wife works from home a lot, and uh, and then my kids are homeschooled, so we're all pretty much home. But now we're not running to karate and dance lessons right. and swimming lessons and all the stuff that it seemed like we got two things every evening, every day of the week, and Sunday is the only day where we don't have something other than church. And so it's been a little bit of relaxing to you know we still have karate, but I put it out on the TV and they do it through Zoom. Ah, perfect. So, yeah, it's kind of cool, but I wanted to ask you before we get too far, I kind of missed your joining the Christian podcast, <laughs> their community. What, you know, you're a fellow member now. That's kind of why I was thinking of you again. And like, I, 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 you know, part of why I'm on there is I want to promote other members, but I kind of missed it. All of a sudden I saw a tweet from Andrew saying, uh, you know, like your show was up and he only does those tweets for Christian podcast community shows. So. Yeah, we didn't, you know, Andrew was, it was kind of funny when he first created uh, the, the idea for Christian podcast community. I remember him talking to me about it and, and to both Rich and I, and we thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, let, let me think about it. Uh, mostly because it, we finally hit four years at the end of last month. And it, it still felt like as we were going into this into our third year, it was almost like, 
gosh, are, do we really know what we're doing yet? <laughs> <laughs> I and, know the uh, feeling. I'm starting. This is the first episode in my 13th year. <laughs> <laughs> and I still, but I only do one a month. So yeah, you've done more episodes than I have over the course of four years than I have in 12. But, uh, well, and it was last year that we finally became much more consistent with doing that every week for the first two plus years, we were hit and miss. And, and it was just like, this is something we're going to do. We're going to try and, and make it as often as possible. But, you know, if we miss so that, you know, that's where that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And things changed when I had the opportunity to go to uh, the the Shepherds con uh, Conference and I met people who listened to the program and suddenly the whole thing became much more real. Yeah, that there were people that actually listened and cared about what we had to say, which really still to this day amazes me. Yeah, I know the <laughs> feeling. Everybody I, listens to begin with, but actually agrees with and cares about what we say. That that yeah. blows my mind. So it became a commitment to me to our listeners to try to be more consistent. And up until about end of November, early part of December, we were really consistent about that. And so that was, I think, the impetus for us to talk to Andrew about getting on with a uh, Christian co podcast community. And it's been a wonderful experience. We, we've always been a part of their Facebook group. That they, they're always very open about helping people with information, uh, trying to cross promote other programs. And for us, it was an opportunity to work with like-minded Christians yep. and, as you say, help others where we can and just be a part of that platform. And so it's it it's been uh, we've only been doing it for a few weeks now, but it really has been a wonderful experience. And, and it's very bizarre to see our show <laughs> listed on a website. Yeah. You <laughs> say a few weeks. I must not have missed it by much then. No, no, it's it's really just been a f uh, the last few weeks that okay. we've been uh, finally been on there. So uh, it took a while, and what's what's funny is we've known. Andrew well, I know that process too because because we were yeah. talking early, and and even you know they've got a stack that they go through, and even though I've known Andrew long enough, the vetting process was much easier going than than it is for some of the other podcasts. Uh, you know, it's still he's got a pile to go through, and mm -hmm. and a process well, that he wants to carry out. And and they and they still make sure, even though they know you, they still want to make sure that everybody's in agreement and everybody knows that this is a program that's on board with their statement of faith, yeah. on board with what everybody is. And yes, we're all going to have a variety of beliefs on certain issues, but generally speaking, they try to you know if you're going to come on board with Christian podcast community, you got to be orthodox, mm -hmm. and uh, you got to agree with those statement of faith, and you got to be able to talk to them about that. And I appreciated that because yeah. you're not you're not going to get special treatment per se just because you know that some of the people. Right. Yeah, that yeah. that might help facilitate the process, but it certainly doesn't guarantee anything. Which was something I greatly appreciated. Yeah. To be well, I also like that 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 vetting process and that whole um, statement of faith type thing and agreeing because. I still have yet to go through the whole catalog over there. So yeah, I, I'm not getting to know the other podcasts as quickly as I'd like to, but, um, but I, I'm yet, I'm still comfortable enough with the ones that I've heard and with knowing what the, what's going on behind the scenes, I'm comfortable enough to say, just go check out the feed, uh, you know, like subscribe to the general feed and listen to it. Yeah. You know, there's you're going to get some really great stuff there. And, exactly. and sometimes I'm out in the garage or something working and I want to have, you know, radio on and, and and it works out well. I I think I put it on because uh, I got a Roku out there in the garage, so I I subscribed on iHeart 
so I can go through the iHeart app. Nice. And then I just hit um, just hit go, and it'll start start with whatever the newest episode from the general feed is, and then it'll play right through, you know, kind of backwards in time. But um, yeah, I could easily eat up an afternoon just listening to to the shows on there. Yeah, and that's one of the things I like about it is there are so many. If you go on to let's say you use Apple podcast or you go through Google's uh, podcast apps. There are so many programs of so many varieties. If you just went and picked Christian, who knows what you're going to get? get Joel Osteen. You're going to get Joel Osteen. You're going to get Beth Moore, false teachers galore. Mm -hmm. And this is a a kind of a one-stop shop where you are, if you listen to anything, generally speaking, you are getting sound biblical discussion yep. mm-hmm. and that's what i appreciate is that it's it's a one it is one place that you can go that you don't have to go well i hope maybe this one's okay and hit the play <laughs> button and you get blasted with false teaching that's yeah. not going to happen with no. yeah you might not necessarily click personality wise with the hosts of the show but you're not going to get heresy Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it gives you an opportunity to say, you can, like you said, with that feed, you can sample a variety of shows and then you go, Hey, I really like this particular show. Hey, I like Echo Zoe. And now you're subscribing to that. In addition to listening to the feed, you get to, you know, hear a variety of programs, which is fantastic. All right. Well, we are 10 minutes in and we haven't gotten to any of our (laughs) topics yet. But well, uh, that's just so you know, that's normal for voice. Oh, Radio. that's normal for me, too. <laughs> I, I, you know, I do an hour long show and I tell guests like I actually prefer that I like to tell you to, to set aside two hours because by the time we get online and we kind of chit chat a little bit and then we hit record and then we chit chat some more for the audience to hear <laughs> and then we finish and then we chit chat some more. It's going to be two hours and I just don't want you well, that, rushing. So. Yeah. yeah, that's that's normal. And. Yeah, this is this time. Every time this week, I, I drive my son crazy because his computer is sitting behind me, the gaming computer that he bought. And this is when he knows, great, dad's kicking me out of the office for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, cool. but, by all means. Well, I, so what I'm thinking is, and, I, and I'm just throwing at this, you didn't see this coming. Okay. You, you, we, we know we've got three topics that we discussed ahead of time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that little device back there to roll a dice. Oh. Okay. And it's going to say one, two, three, four, five, or six, right? Okay. And so the first topic we did will be one or two, and the second will be three or four, and the third will be <laughs> five or six. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Alexa, roll a dice. Alexa, roll a dice. I cut her off. Alexa, roll a <laughs> dice. Five. That's a five. That's your topic. Oh, wonderful. All right. So let's 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 start off with the really the really bummer topic. <laughs> okay. Well, at least we can end on a higher note, right? Yes, that would be good. That would be this way we don't bum everybody out. Um and I, I really shouldn't put it that way cuz this is really kind of sad. Um I, I when you approached me about doing the program, you know, I was trying to think of some topics and this news report came up. It's it actually was dated yesterday. Um, the the article came through Religion News Service. Uh, friends mourn Darren Patrick, me- mega church pastor and author who died of apparent self inflicted gunshot wound. Um, there, to to put it uh, as as succinctly as I can, Darren Patrick is he was a, a well known name and has been an author, preacher, and speaker for for many years. And a few years ago. He had actually been removed as the senior pastor from uh, the the church that he's he was part of 
because as the church put it, he had been uh, they they had referred to it as misconduct in, in that in that he had been in inappropriate meetings, conversations, and phone calls with two women, which which was considered an abuse of power. And then over the course of 26 months, he had gone through a restoration process. Now, for people listening, I know what everybody's saying. Well, oh, inappropriate meetings, that means adultery. Well, that's not what the, the article is saying. It was not what the church elders said. It's but that's probably what the gossip rumor mill was saying. Most likely. And, and, and I think most of us can, you know, even if it was just inappropriate meetings, that, let's say it never progressed to the point of adultery. Obviously, as Christ points out, um, any lust in our hearts is, is, you know, committing adultery in the heart. So if he got, if he was going that far, the church did the right thing. They actually pulled him out of his position as p- senior pastor. Um, he went through a, a restoration process that lasted 26 months and he returned as a preacher, but he was not the senior pastor of the church. So he was no longer able to be in that high position of authority and, uh, clearly, you know, there was a lot that went on during a, a more than two year process. So it would it would seem, at least on the surface, from what everything that we've, you know, Darren Patrick went through within the last few years, it would seem like maybe life had turned around. What the church has posted is, that, you know, that he was, according to the statement released by uh, Seacoast Church, which is where he is, uh, was a pastor, they say that, um, and this is uh, Seacoast is, is listed as Char- Charleston, South Carolina, and St. Louis, Missouri. So I'm assuming multi campus. Um, but they said that he had been target shooting with a friend at the time of his death, and an official cause of death has not been released, but it appears to be a self inflicted gunshot wound. No foul play is suspected. So obviously, we don't know the exact. Um, circumstances behind this. Some There's a have, lot we don't know in this story. Yeah. And so I mean, we you brought up like in this inappropriate discussion. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's a quite an assumption to, to not only go to adultery, but even to go to anything sexual is an right. assumption. I, it could have nothing to do with that. It could be like, you know, I really didn't like the cookies you baked for the last potluck. Right. You know, and so we don't, we don't, all know we know is that it was somehow an abuse of his position. And, and and I think there there are there's a, a point where you can make some logical assumptions, but you mm-hmm. have to be careful about those assumptions. But, but obviously, but if you can imagine though that let's let's just go with the cookie analogy, you know, like mm-hmm. well, let's just say just for just for sake of argument, it was somebody didn't somebody made oatmeal raisin cookies and he ate it thinking it was a chocolate chip cookie, and he got upset and decided to say something, and and the yeah. elder board decided that was an abuse of power, you yeah. know that that. Uh, just next time spit the cookie out and, and uh, let it go, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you can see how the rumor mill would be going oh, because yeah. they're so vague as to what happened. Right. Right. And, that, and that's, that's the biggest problem anytime we deal with stuff like this. And of course, any it, social media is, is the worst place where a lot of these discussions take place. But I think the, the biggest concern is that, you know, we see the phrase self-inflicted gunshot wound mm-hmm. and, at the range. At a range. I, I, I look, I, I've been, you know, my, my line of work, I've dealt with firearms for 21 years. And, and, and actually for, before that, when I was still serving in the military. So for more than, you know, more than half my life, I've been around firearms. To hit, to a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head at a range 
you're either being very, very careless, which is always, always a possibility Mm -hmm. or something clicked and somebody decided, I don't want to be part of this world anymore. I I don't know. And, but when I read that, and I think most of us reading that we see self-inflicted gunshot wound, we think, oh my goodness, he took his life. And what that triggered for me and my thoughts is let assuming for a moment that that that's what happened, that he had taken his own life. And again, we don't know that that's the case. What I do know is that's an issue that happens within pastoral roles. You you have people who are under tremendous pressure, especially if you're part of a megachurch. I mean, tremendous amount of pressure. And I cannot imagine what that's like if to be a pastor in a role where not only is it your job to be in constant watch over the people under your charge dealing with my goodness the the amount of stress and strain that goes on in our our, our lives on a daily basis imagine that you're the person that has to be responsible for hearing those counseling them responding to those late night uh, emergency calls, um, counseling family members who are dealing with, you know, prodigal children, uh, dealing with, you know, in this day and age, especially with the the whole LGBT movement, you know, my, my kids are, they go to public school, they've been told that they're, they're gay, they should embrace it. These are all the things that a pastor mm-hmm. has to deal with. And then, then you've got... Has to preach, right? And you've got um, just like anything else, where there's a, a group of people, you're going to have political type issues too. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't care how big or small your church is, certainly, certainly at a mega church, you're going to have a, a number of unbelievers in your ranks. Exactly. You're going to have false converts in your ranks, and they're going to act like false converts. Yep, and they're going to be backstabbing. They're going to be. Uh, rumor mongering, they're going to be doing things that are going to drag your church down. And that's, it's something that a lot of us uh, laymen in the church don't think about it a lot, especially those of us who are not false converts. You know, we want to serve Christ. We want to honor God. We want to love our brethren. We don't engage in that kind of thing. And, uh, but it happens and it happens at, at any church of any size. Exactly. And so, like I said, I, we don't know what happened to Darren Patrick. I, I, I would hate to hear that the reality is that he took his own life. I hope that's not the case. But it does make me think about those pastors. I mean, in the article from Religion News Service, they refer to uh, they, they interview one of Darren Patrick's friends, uh, a, a um, excuse me a second. I got a, Rob, uh, Robbie Gallaty, a pastor of Long Hollow Baptist. Well, Mr. Gallaty is also was also friends with a Jared Wilson who not long ago had also taken his own life. Now it's not Jared C. Wilson, the the uh, pastor and author, but another Jared Wilson. His spelling was J A R R I D, as I recall. And I remember this because he, he was a not only was a pastor, but he was an advocate of you know mental health issues and stuff. And he was apparently someone who was a you know, vocal, you know, was fairly vocal about his own issues. He wasn't, didn't try to hide it, but end up taking his own life. So Gallaty has lost not only this, his friend, Jared Wilson, who was a, a pastor and advocate for mental health issues, but he's lost Darren Patrick. And what's amazing is that I don't think as Christians, we stop to think about what 
pressure our pastors are, are, are go, uh, go through. I, I mean, think about it this way. You and I were talking about this before we uh, decided, you know, began the show. You are, as a pastor, expected to basically be a theological expert. You're supposed to have all the right answers. You're supposed to have a sermon prepped every week with all the right details. You can't misspeak. You can't uh, you know, use an illustration that somebody doesn't approve of. You, you can't speak to controversial issues without some sort of backlash. You, in your life, has to be a perfect image of what a, a Christian should be. You can never make a questionable purchase. You can never have a, a bad day. You can never uh, get angry or, or, or be upset. You can never misspeak. Uh, it, it, you, if you go on vacation, my goodness, how dare you go to take your kids to Disneyland? We didn't pay. Our church tithe wasn't for you to take extravagant trips. <laughs> Imagine living like this day in and day out. And, and as you said, you got the church politics to go on, and I don't care how wonderful your church is. Mm-hmm. Every church has that. Uh, you what's the biggest church causes church splits? Color of the carpet, mm-hmm. um, wall and painting color. Well, the there's on, uh, there's a walls. there's a sermon that I I greatly appreciated that that I I actually played. It would have been back in 2012 because I was off for a couple months uh, getting some treatments for my son. And I needed a couple fill-in episodes while I was gone. And, and it was by Phil Johnson. And it was called Cora's Rebellion. And he's given this sermon many times. He doesn't give it anymore from what I understand, but he's given it quite a few times. Uh, the one I got was from Mike Abendross Church. He gave it there. And uh, I reached out to, I think, Abendross Church owned the copyright. So so I reached out and asked, can I use this as a, as a podcast episode? And I said, yeah, go ahead. But um, Cora was was a... A, a kinsman of Moses and, and he was getting the people of Israel to, to try to reject Moses because he thought he was mm-hmm. the rightful leader. And, uh, and, and it, if you haven't heard it, it's in my archives, but get it, you know, just Google it. It doesn't have, you have to listen to it as my episode, but it, it's really good because it'll illustrate a lot of the stuff that goes on within church politics and, and how there are, schemers in so many churches. And and the reason why he said he doesn't give that sermon anymore is that he said every time he's ever given it, somebody from the church will get up and say, the pastor told you to preach that. And because <laughs> they, they felt like that's, that was a, that was directed at me. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, you know, there's a, was it, I forget, was it John Calvin or Charles Spurgeon that said, you know, if you threw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. Yeah. <laughs> I always heard that yeah, as I, ancient Chinese proverb, but. <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. I, sorry. I, see, I'm going to get hate. You could be right. I could be, I, we, I could, could, <laughs> we could be both. I don't know. But um, no, that's the sad part about it is, and, you, and a pastor has to deal with that day in, day out. I mean, I think most of us can relate to the idea of, we we see on the evening news when people Monday morning Monday morning quarterbacks say a law enforcement officer, and a lot of us, and I'm sure your your listeners and certainly uh, our listeners here on Voice of Reason, we resonate with that. It's like, well, you can't do that. That officer has more training, more understanding of the circumstances. You can't you can't look back, you know back with high, uh, 2020 hindsight, etc. But how many of us look that way with the pastor? Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think we slow ourselves down to do that. And if you're a pastor 
who is dealing with those daily pressures, who do you go to? Right. Hopefully your hopefully your own uh your own elder board if you have if you're not a small church where there's like one elder, maybe, you know, hopefully there's somebody in the church you can go to, or maybe there's other pastor that you, pastors that you know that you can go to. But I think there's a sense of human pride that comes with, I don't want people to know that as the pastor, I'm struggling with these things. Yeah, And I, I think we, just like the, the news media or politicians will Monday morning quarter pack a law enforcement officer or the military or, or some other uh, person, you know, in the public realm day in and day out with no concerns about how that you know it has impacted the officer or the the military personnel or whatever i think we as christians sometimes forget that we need to be patient and loving and compassionate to our pastors because they deal with so much more than we'll ever have to deal with cuz we're not the ones getting the 3 a.m. phone call about yeah. the death of a child you know right. we're not we're not the ones that uh, have to counsel a a a wife and a mother uh, whose husband is is um, betraying her and is you know going to leave the leave the family and take the kids and leave her with nothing and and yet you can't go talk to anybody about that. There's a, there's a privacy issue. So how do right. you deal with that amount of pressure and uh, and pain that you have to internalize because you can't go running around talking about it? Yeah. That is a very difficult role and. Like I said, I don't know what happened with Darren Patrick. Imagine also a pastor who has a a background that he did something questionable in recent history, and that's following him. Mm -hmm. Whether Darren Patrick uh, overcame the stigma of his of his removal from senior pastor or not, you know as well as I do, there are still people that look at him and go, "Oh, you're the adulterer," mm -hmm. and and so. Well, and that's how, why I thought it was important to 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 break through what we know and say, like, we don't know. Like I said, it could have been, he ate an oatmeal raisin cookie when he wanted, yeah. he thought it was chocolate chip and you know, you don't know. I, I can only imagine the burden you'd carry if people just with the assumptions that come with something like that. Right. And, and maybe it was, maybe, you know, maybe it was something like that. We don't know, but it's not fair when you don't know the details to go yeah. and try to assume that and then go, uh, gossiping about him behind his back. But, but you know, when you sent me the link and said, well, this might be something to talk about what I, I was really thinking along those lines of supporting a pastor and that, and that every, every pastor needs to be a human being too. They, yep. he needs a friend, you know, he needs people that will, that he can talk to. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe it's better in some cases that it's not somebody within his own church, you know, befriend those pastors that are, pastoring other churches because because mm -hmm. maybe they could use your friendship to get through tough issues that he can't talk about within his own church whether it be church politics or or whatnot you know uh, just have it just having a friend that he can sit down and go through and pray with and and talk to could be the difference for a guy like darren patrick you know did he have a friend that was not part of his church that he could talk to mm-hmm uh, you know, if it was a cookie thing, is that something that he could have confided in with his wife or was she assuming that it was what everybody else was probably assuming it was, you know, and people, they need friends, you know, and then if it is somebody that your own pastor, give them some attention as a friend, just yeah. 
Invite them over for dinner. Don't expect them to lead the prayer before you eat. Don't expect them to do anything that you normally expect a pastor to do. Just have them over for movie night once the pandemic passes, of course. But, uh, you know, make them dinner, sit down and watch a movie, pray together. Um, But do it as a friend, not as a pastor, because they really need that. They really do. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the funny thing about this, I I was – before or after I shared this with you, and I I didn't tell you this earlier, but I, I went and looked at Darren, for example, Darren Patrick's Twitter page, and three days prior to this news announcement, the one of the last uh, posts he puts on his Twitter page is it says isolation is the enemy of healthy living. Pastors need friendship, and then he says. You know, in this episode, Greg Surak and Darren Patrick discuss strategies for cultivating friendship. And, and so it was a link to a podcast that he had done. But that I mean, I think whatever the re, whatever happened, it, that's clearly an issue that was on his mind mm-hmm. that he wanted to share that information, whether that had anything to do with his his passing. No idea. Right. But. It was clearly an issue that was on his mind that he wanted other people to think about and wanted other pastors to be aware of. And I think that's something that's so very important to us. Like you said, pastors need friends. They they need to not just only ever be seen as you're the pastor. Clearly, pastors need to have a level of authority. They have a, need to have yeah. a level of respect in the church. And I think there's a lot of that's been lost thanks to seeker-friendly churches, mega churches, and all this stuff. But, you know, we wish, and we should seek to recover those things. But at the same time, as you said, pastors need to be human beings. Mm -hmm. They're going to err. They're going to say things wrong. They're going to make decisions that aren't always the best. And like us who need grace from, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 the grace that we receive from Christ every day, we need to have grace for one another. We need to have grace for our pastors. We cannot treat them like they are supposed to be this upper level, perfect Christian that can never fail. Because when we do that, how, how on earth can we expect them to want to reach out to anyone? If they're afraid the rumor mill is going to make them look bad again, Mm -hmm. if, if they made a bad decision once and it nearly cost the church, uh, it nearly caused the church split or whatever it is. Uh, well, I'm not going to see any say anything ever again because if you know if that gets out, my goodness, what would people think? We need to let them have that that same. Uh, forgive me for saying this, guys. This is a safe place. <laughs> I hate to use that phrase, but it's appropriate. They, there, there needs to be a place where they yeah. can be human and that they can be comforted and that they can be ministered well, to. Because they they need it too. Yeah, and I think I think that that, that the non pastors in the church, everybody else, need to recognize that just the humanity, you know. And and yes, uh, pastors, elders are held to a higher standard, but keep in mind, you're not their judge. You're not the one who's holding that standard, and uh, they they can use your help. They can use rebuke when they need rebuke, and and. Uh, mm-hmm. a, shoulder to lean on when they need a shoulder to lean on, but, but maybe um, also recognize that they need the same grace that you need. Maybe they need more grace because of that higher standard. Amen. Um, we're not, I, I, I'm I not excusing sin. I'm, I'm absolutely not excusing sin. I'm just saying, you know, um, give them grace where grace is due. You know, and I think if we just ask ourselves this question, when I fail, 
and I'm corrected and I appreciate that. That's that's good. But if I held if I was held to the same scrutiny that we hold pastors to, how would that then look? And I think it's just that that kind of that removing log from our eye, you know, yeah. and recognizing, yes, God has appointed this person. Yes, we hold them to that standard because if they're teaching falsely, they need to be held accountable. If they're, you know, uh, egregiously sinning and they're not repentant, of course, they need to be held accountable. But if we, if God is gracious to us, why are we not showing that same level of grace and kindness and just letting them know how much we love them and how much that they are needed and appreciated. I think that goes a long way to breaking down that wall that allows pastors to be human and deal with the issues and seek help when they need it. And they do need it. Yeah. Now I want, I got a little transition. Now I don't know yet. I've got to ask that device over there what our next topic's <laughs> going to be. But um, regardless of which one it is, I think the good transition would be the, 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 the law of Christ and that we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And your pastor is your neighbor. Amen. Amen. So Excellent. with that, we will get into more law of Christ in whichever topic that thing gives us next. <laughs> so the first one will be heads, and the second one will be tails. All right? Okay. Alexa, flip, flip a coin. Heads. Heads. All right. So that's number one. Okay. And that would be we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're all um, hunkering down in our homes and social distancing and um, uh, doing church over uh, Facebook live and Zoom and YouTube live and uh, all that stuff from our living rooms. Um, and, and I thought maybe it'd be good to talk about that from a gospel perspective. For, from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be easy to get to the law of Christ on some of that issue. But um, kind of some of the things I was thinking of when I said make it a gospel issue is I'm seeing, uh, you know, I'm thinking like this is the curse being um, demonstrated on a global scale right now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. why is there this illness that came out of wherever it came out of. I know it came out of China, but the next one, you know, the last one can might've come from Africa and the next one might come from North Carolina or New York <laughs> city or who knows where the point is that it brings death. And why do we have death? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we go back to the garden and when Adam sinned, you know, God had warned them if they were to eat of the of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in that day, they would surely die. And when they did that, when Adam willfully sinned against God, he tells him what is going to happen, that they were no longer uh, free to be in the garden. No longer would they eat with ease or be able to raise crops with ease. Thorns and thistles would would grow that the women would, uh, you know bear pain and childbearing and that there would be these contentions between husband and wife, the whole fabric of this world changed mm -hmm. when they, when Adam sinned willfully against God and it brought in death and disease. So how, whether you believe the conspiracy theories that are out there or it really is, it was a, 
it was a virus that mutated and it was it originally went from animal to animal and then animal to person whatever your belief on that is and that's a whole nother show mm-hmm. um, <laughs> The truth of the matter is the reason we have disease, illness, and death is because sin entered into this world and radically transformed the face of this world. That's a big key word to all this. It was not just a change. It was a radical change. Absolutely. And it it destroyed that that face-to-face relationship that we had with God. We were no longer able as Adam was to be able to you know be with God face to face and the whole world changed because of it and now we when we see disease when we see illness infection we, when we see a mutated virus making its way across the world we are reminded of that sin in the garden and what it cost us and what and the and the only way we re- come back to that restored relationship that Adam had with uh, with God is through the second Adam Jesus Christ mm-hmm. he, you know getting saved and being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ doesn't prevent disease and death we know that despite what the 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 hucksters on TBN would tell us but we know that we now will have that eternal paradise with him and be able to be in that face-to-face relationship once again. So when we look at with all the problems that COVID-19 has brought into this world and all the debate that surrounds what has happened, the one thing the church should be able to point to is to say, this is the result of the fall. This is evidence of sin in the world. This is a stark reminder of how we are have been separated from God because of the sin in our lives, because of the sinfulness of man, because of original sin that dwells in our hearts. And the only way we ever make it past that is through Jesus Christ, because through one man, sin entered the world and all men die. But now through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, men can be made right with God. They can be restored in their relationship and they can have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And that that, that is the chief thing that every Christian should be reminded of when we see this. There's a lot of things to discuss with regard to the to this pandemic and all the things that have the fallout that's come from it, but the chief point that we should always be able to point to is this is a picture of of sin in the world and how we can be made right with Christ. Mhm. Absolutely. And I also see it as um certainly a wake-up call on that eternal perspective of needing of of recognizing death is once again at our door and and uh we need a savior but it also is a wake up call that in our day to day lives that um you know it's especially here in America and throughout the west it's been easy to kind of um relax and re- and and take take comfort in our prosperity and you know just a few months ago we had a roaring economy that seemed like you know, we're ready to blaze our way into a new and really cool future and economically speaking. And now we're, we're at great depression levels of unemployment and an economy that's grinding to a halt and just recognizing that not only in the eternal sense, but even in the day to day sense that we've got to rely on the Lord and, 
and in his provision because it'll it could disappear people are learning the hard way that it can it can go really wonderfully one day and the next day it can just be gone yeah absolutely and i think you know like i think you said it right it's a wake-up call when so so much of especially in western christianity here in america we see comfort and ease as a sign of blessing from god in fact you go back to scripture when jesus talks about how those who are rich it was it was it'd be easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle a literal camel a literal eye of a needle mm-hmm. it would be easier for that to happen than a rich man to enter into heaven why because he trusts in his riches he trusts in his wealth and his comfort and his ease and the apostles were were astonished they were like then who can be saved because in the mind of in their mind in the mind of the the Jews of that time wealth and prosperity were a sign of blessing from God. And if if a rich the man Pharisees not, were a word of faith, weren't they? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they were the back to the Bible people of their day, but they they their traditions had so corrupted the, the what the scriptures taught. That's why they were like the number public enemy number one every time Jesus was talking. You know, it's like do as they say, but don't do as they do. Why? Because their traditions turned them into hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And so Comfort and, and, and wealth and blessing or, or comfort and ease was seen as a, a blessing from God. And here we in America, you know, that's kind of that's the American dream, right? It's to have the the, the to own your house, three cars, 2.5 kids, a great career. Even for the Christian, we're guilty of seeing the American dream as a, as a sign of blessing from God. Yet if if God is sovereign over all things, as Job even told his wife, how, how can we receive good things and not bad from God? Oh. If God is sovereign over all things, then blessing is found not just in comfort and ease, but in the suffering and the trials, because God puts us through the refiner's fire. Right. So this this is God working to expose idols of our heart. Yep. Because we're going, but I can't have this and I can't go there and I can't be with my friends and I can't go right. What What do you care more about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think Well, that's such a topic of such tension in that, um, you know, we can see throughout the scripture, but also, you know, just through general revelation in, in life that in many ways, physical prosperity or economic prosperity is a blessing in many ways. Yep. But when does it? when does it cross over from being a blessing to becoming an idol? And I, yeah. And that, that's what certainly what Jesus was talking about. But you know, Job was, was wealthy by his his day's standard and Abraham was wealthy by his, by his culture standard. And, um, and those were both men that were called righteous and uh, had favor with God. And, but they also recognized the source of their wealth. And Job rightly said, if, if God gives, God can take away. Yep. And and Abraham's righteousness wasn't in his wealth. It was in that he believed God. Exactly. And in those instances, when you look at what, for example, Abraham, why why is, you know, uh, Abraham wealthy? Because God blessed him. Why? Because through Abraham, you would have this nation. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was the, you know, the the father of the nation of Israel. God had a plan and a purpose in providing for Abraham 
through those times so that you would have Isaac and then providing for Isaac so that you would have Jacob and then the 12 tribes of Israel. And then what does he do? All this wealth and prosperity, what does he do? He takes them all down to Egypt and they get into slavery for 400 years. Mm -hmm. You know, 400 years they suffered. They, you know, were put into bondage and not until they are delivered out from slavery are they paid their wages when God says, okay, now you will plunder the Egyptians. And he gives the Egyptians, yes, take the gold, get out of here. We don't care. (laughs) Just go, you know, but then what happens with all that gold? At one point it becomes an idol, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes the golden calf. God, after, you know, dealing with that issue, what is the gold and the wealth given to him for? The tabernacle for the creation of the tabernacle. God had a purpose in that wealth. And when we look at it as wealth and prosperity and comfort and ease is God's blessing in our life, we have looked at it for the wrong reasons. If God has so, you know, been so gracious as to provide for people, why? What is the purpose that I should have that for? Is it so that I'm comfortable? Well, that's what I like to think. I mm-hmm. like to think that it's for me to go buy the newest uh, electronic gadget or for me to go and uh, buy a, a nice new car or whatever. I like to think that. But God says that's not the purpose because when I want to spend it on me, I'm using it for as an idol. And when it's taken from me and I scream and cry and <laughs> throw a fit about it, I've revealed that it was an idol. But mm-hmm. if it's like Job God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I recognize my, I, my worship is on Christ. It is on God. It is not on the things that he, which he has provided me. And I think that's exactly what one of the things that he is exposing through this uh, crisis is that he is exposing so much of everyone's dependence upon their comfort. Mm -hmm. But then we get into, and I think maybe we'll, uh, we'll kind of keep this topic partially going into the next topic, but um, cause I think that there's a lot of crossover and, and I wanted to talk about legalism and antinomianism, which um, kind of maybe from a little bit different angles than, than the typical discussion would go. I think we're all at least somewhat familiar with what legalism is. And maybe I'll get into a little bit of the details on that um, just in a moment, but um how does this pandemic demonstrate legalism and antinomianism and stuff? And, and uh, there's, there's a lot of it going around right now with, with uh, churches shut down and people doing mm-hmm. online church and stuff. And, and a lot of people are upset that, um, well, you know, I'm commanded to not forsake the assembly. I, sh- I really should be there, but the government's telling me not to, do I listen to the government? Is this Romans 13 right. or is this, uh, uh, you know, command, uh, the command to love my neighbor require me to, to go to church and, and forsake not the assembly and stuff. But um, so as we kind of get into that, I, you know, I'll, I'll just say right up front legalism, um, man commanding things that God has not commanded would be legalism. Antinomianism would be loosing things that God hasn't loosed. Um, and, and really when we, we talk about binding and loosing, that's what it was all about. Binding and loosing was about laws, not, not demons. But um, uh, when when we start requiring of each other to adhere to a rule or a law that God has not handed down, that's legalism. When we say 
the law doesn't apply to you, to us anymore. That law doesn't apply to you when it clearly does. That's antinomianism or, or anti-lawism. Um, and I, and I've been looking at it kind of as, um, you know, uh, legalism can be taking, oftentimes it can take a, a, a topics that are, they're not black and white. They're, they're shades of gray mm-hmm. and it makes them black and white. It says you shall do this. Yeah. When, when it's not that clear cut and antinomianism is the, the opposite of that. It takes black and white issue or, you know, it, it takes things that are black and white and it says, no, this is a shade of gray. You, you know, there, there's freedom not to do that. I know. I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think if, uh, if you want a, a challenging read, Sinclair Ferguson's, the whole Christ deals with this issue at one point. And one of the things that he says is that both the, uh, both the antinomian and the legalist have a wrong understanding of the law. You know, the, the, and that's, it, it, they're kind of two sides of the same coin in one respect. The, the legalist thinks that he can actually achieve what the law is set out, uh, is, is set before him. That somehow he, through that, he can earn, you know, some sort of grace uh, or, or uh, merit with God. The antinomian looks at the law as being some sort of binding. Uh, you know, chain that he has to be loosed from, but the biblical understanding of the law is that it is, it is, you know, God's nature revealed. I mean, if you think about it, God is truth. God is goodness. God is, you know, light. God, he's all these things. And when he says, for example, you'll have no other gods before me, he's revealing who he is. There is no other God. So the law is a, is a revelation of who God is and what we're not. It exposes mm-hmm. that we are not God, that we are not good. And what it does is it shows us how desperately we need a savior. And as a result of that, we turn to Christ in repentance, recognizing that in the law, we could never keep it. We could never appease God. And it points us to the one who did in Jesus Christ. And then causes us to turn in repentance and, and, and faith to Christ. And then we look at the law as this beautiful thing of revealing God to me and what I'm not. And now I want to be like God. I want to not be God. I can't be God, but I want to be like him in his nature. I want to emulate his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his truthfulness, all of these things that are revealed in the law. And so the the antinomian thinks that somehow he can achieve something through the law, or excuse me, the uh, legalist, the the antinomian thinks that he just needs to be broken away from it and be whatever. And it's like, no, there's a a complete misunderstanding of what the law is. And it's it's a tragic thing to watch people who reject the law, thinking it has no binding, no no, uh, impact in our lives whatsoever, but to then watch somebody else who thinks, oh, everything's dependent on me proving to God I'm worthy of it. Mm-hmm. Now there's two different angles that I was seeing in the discussion on this that I think, you know, um, two things on my mind when I w- said, let's talk a little bit about legalism and antinomianism. The first goes back to their last topic in this global pandemic and thing. And, and really about this meeting, um, you know, it, it, I, I've been on Twitter a lot less lately than normal. But when I'm on there, I see a lot of people getting pretty heated one way or the other when it comes to reopening churches. And uh, I mean, really heated people, very upset that 
if someone suggests that maybe the loving thing to do would be to just meet virtually for a while so as to not put our brethren in danger of a deadly disease, something that might not affect me physically. I could be somebody, one of those asymptomatic people that gets this disease, but never even has a sniffle or a cough, but I could bring it into my church and give it to somebody who could kill them. Mm -hmm. And, and then on the other hand, you've got people that are just like, no, my rights, my first amendment, right. Was is freedom of religion and freedom of assembly. I have the right to meet at my church. The constitution of the United States has no exception for a global pandemic. And, um, and, and, and we need to, and, and God commands us to forsake, not the assembly. We're commanded to get together. We're commanded to, practice the Lord's supper together in person. You just can't do that virtually. And, uh, and, and both sides have compelling arguments, but is this a black and white issue as the legalist says, or is this a, a shades of gray issue? Well, Rich and I talked about this um, on our program. And I think you point out something that's, that's absolutely essential to remember is that, there are some things that God is absolutely clear on. For example, you don't worship any other gods. Mm -hmm. um, sexual immorality is a sin. That, but when we look at the book of Hebrews and it says to not forsake the assembly as is, as is the habit of some, I think there are some people that look at it as though that is such a black and white issue that if there's never an excuse for a church not to meet, there's never a reason that you can you never go to church there's never any mitigating circumstances and one of the examples that rich and i used was okay go back to hurricane katrina when new orleans was completely devastated if you wanted to employ the idea of well there's you can never forsake the gathering of the saints so therefore we're going back to our church building which is you know six feet underwater right six now. feet underwater and the government has said you can't go back there because it's dangerous and you use that argument that no i i have a first amendment right i'm told not to forsake the gathering of the saints that is it quite honestly i think that's uh where when god says worship god with all your heart soul, mind, and strength, you've abandoned your mind <laughs> because um, it is unsafe and you would find an alternative. And I think anybody with any common sense would recognize that. I think the problem that I, that we see here is this is kind of, at least for this generation, you know, because there are newspapers, you, you, I think a lot of us think this has never happened before. And maybe on this scale, like globally, it's never happened before. But the idea of things being shut down is not a, an ahistorical thing. It's mm -hmm. you can find 1900s and earlier where cities or places across the country were shut down, including churches, because of a flu epidemic or some other issue. We so being a little bit ignorant of history, we look at this and we go, "This has never happened. This is government overreach. This can never be uh, tolerated," and we we're ready to go to war, and. Like you said, there are legitimate arguments with regard to the idea of the assembly of the saints. We weren't scripturally speaking. We we are not to simply say, "Well, I can watch watch church online." That's not what we were made for. God has gifted every 
Christian with unique gifts. Why? For the edification of the saints. We come together for the one another's. We come together to edify one another, to build one another, to pray for one another, to teach one another, to worship together. There, there is a reason God has created the church in such a way that we are required to come together. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you know God has, has made it this rule that there isn't a period of time where a church can't meet in the four walls of a building down on Fifth and Main where there's a steeple and a choir loft and all these things, that there may be a purpose and a reason when God says, don't forsake coming together, because guess what? We're not forsaking that. But there is a purpose and a reason which God is saying under, during this time, you as a church are going to be challenged. Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond? Can we, you know, can we rightly take up issue with the government? Say like New York City's Mayor Bill de Blasio, who has a certainly has a, uh, a an attitude towards an authoritarian. Religion. Yeah, an authoritarian attitude. The only group he doesn't do this with is Muslims. Interesting. Um, but he's definitely going after Christians and Jews. Yeah, I think there's a genuine reason mm-hmm. to challenge that. Well, and, and that's a key. I think that there's a there's a key distinction there where I think a, a, a big mitigating issue with this is. How is the government treating the rest of society? Right. And that like they've deemed liquor stores as essential and churches as non-essential. Now we roll our eyes and, and, and we roll our eyes because we as observant Christians are not drunkards. Right. Right. So we don't, we can, we can get by just fine without a liquor store. But keep in mind, you've got neighbors that are drunkards and they're drunkards to the point where they need rehab. Because yeah. there, if if they were to just cold turkey stop drinking, they would die. Yeah. And the reason why the government has said liquor stores are essential is because they're trying to not let those people die needlessly. Yeah. Now, if if they all of a sudden open the bars up, and they said now the bar is essential too, and people can gather at the bar, but you can't go to church, then we got a problem. Yeah. There's a, well, I can't see. Okay. I can't see. I mean. I don't necessarily, I'm not asking people to like my explanation about the drunkard that will die. Okay. You might not like that. I'm not asking you to like that, but that's the explanation. And, and I can understand that. I might not agree with it, but I understand it. But once you cross the line and say, okay, it's, it's okay to gather at the bar, have karaoke night and lots of drinking, but the church is still non-essential. You can't go there. Now we've got a problem. That's where I think we need to start looking at obey God, not men. But we're not there yet in most of the country. We're not right. there in most of the world. Well, and even in my state, okay, for the, uh, you know, I live in the state of Nevada, which is well known for its gambling. I am not heartbroken that casinos are not <laughs> allowing for gambling right now. But I will say it is that because of that industry has been shut down, it's going to have a major financial impact on my state. Like you, I don't necessarily like that. I don't like that we, we one day we're going to reopen those casinos, but I recognize that there is a uh, a dramatic impact that that those uh, those casinos have on the economy. One of these days, those casinos will be back open. If my governor were to allow the casinos to open, but not the church, yeah, we would that have would a, a very different scenario. But as Rich said when we were talking about on our program, when Sin City is shut down, it's you know it's not necessarily a persecution of the church. Mm-hmm. If if uh, like you, the the casinos are are being required to stay shut down. 
But at the same time, I think there, you know, one of the other issues that we brought up on our show is that it's not going to be the same across the board for every state, every county, every municipality. In New New York City, where you've got people living on uh, stacked up on top of each other like cordwood, you're going to have a greater denser population and a greater chance of spread of, of an illness. You go to Montana, big sky country where there's lots of open space. It you know you're not going to have the same density populations. You're not going to have the same uh, you know problem with uh, the spread of the illness in the same way. So there has well, to be a recognition if, of that. If you live in a place where you're no joke, you're more likely to die of a bear attack <laughs> than from the coronavirus. Then I you know it, it, I do think it might be unreasonable that you're not allowed to have church. Yeah. And, th- and that would be a perfectly good reason for a church to take issue with the local government on that because. But, you know, a lot of those places are have the type of governments that where maybe the governor says you can't have church. But the sheriff that has to enforce that edict has said, you know what? He said, don't do that. it, but I'm going to be down at my church. So yeah. don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to arrest you. Well, and I think there was even a. uh an article recently, and I wish I could remember exactly where it was at, where someone called on a church because they were meeting and the cop showed up and he goes, oh, no, you're fine. I just wanted to come and hear good gospel. <laughs> <laughs> so and he got it, too. Mm-hmm. But it, so, again, it's it's every area is going to be a little bit different. And what I think as Christians, which is getting back to what we were talking about a minute ago, the, the kind of legalistic mindset that we can have, or even you can even be antinomian in this and say, well, you don't need to be going to church to be a Christian, which tells me you haven't really read your Bible. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but you can have a legalistic mindset in, in the sense that, well, every church everywhere has to believe of how I'm dealing with this issue. If your church in your area has, an, uh, has a, a shutdown order, and you're meeting online and you're meeting through Zoom and stuff like that, and you're able to still worship, and you're like, we're going to love our neighbors. We're not going to put put people at risk. We've got elderly people in our church. We've got, we're in a community where this could spread easily, so we're not going to meet. But yet there's another church in another area that goes, we don't have this problem. This isn't an issue. And I can't believe you wouldn't be concerned about religious liberty you can have that legalistic mindset because you are adding to someone else your particular understanding of mm-hmm. how this works. And it, it, I think we sometimes – and this is so bad when it comes to social media. One of the banes of Christian existence in my opinion, and, <laughs> and it's it can be a blessing. It really can it because can. guess what? We're going to use social media for this show. Yeah. Uh, but one of the banes – Well, it, of it gets better when you, when you find the block media. button. <laughs> Yeah, block, mute, Un- uh, unfollow. They're, they're all yep. great. They're, that's great my progression. Mute, <laughs> unfollow, and then if the person keeps getting retweeted into my timeline and I just don't want to see them anymore, then that's when the block comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the f- most freeing experiences of my life was about five years ago when I went, you know what? I don't need to see all this and started removing it from my timeline. But unfortunately, yeah. some of it still shows up. Well, well you know, it, that's like, I'm not a big blocker. I've never been a big blocker. And I've always been of the mindset that like, well, the one thing that I've long said will get you a block is if you block me. Cause I figure, all right, you've made it. You've, you've decided I can't see your timeline. 
I'm going to, I'm going to return the favor, right? Yeah. Uh, you're not going to spy on me and follow me or follow me around and nitpick and poke at me. I'll give you a block for that. But yeah, uh, my mind is, is becoming a little bit more block friendly lately because sometimes I'll unfollow somebody. And, and a lot of times that's enough, just unfollow them. And I'm happy yeah. to just go there. But when I keep seeing common followers retweet that person into my timeline or, or quote tweet them into my timeline, that's where I think a block fits my needs really well. Yeah. And, 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 and go ahead. Well, and, and, and it's really, it's Twitter actually that, that had gotten me kind of worked up over this legalism issue. And, you know, I think we've talked about a lot of angles that most people can definitely understand, but the thing that really has gotten me worked up, it's a combination of this pandemic but also, if you go back to the, go back to the last presidential election, you know, there's been, you know, and I've talked about it a few times about how I think the, the whether you're you like the president or you don't like the president, I I can disagree, I can agree, you know, that's fine. I'll love you as a brother. Um, I leave it to your conscience to decide how you feel about him or any other politician on, you know, within reason. I think some politicians or Christians are, should be hands off. You shouldn't, shouldn't be supporting those yeah. people. But, but I think our president here in the United States is, is someone that I think you've got Liberty to, to, to decide with in your conscience, in your mind, how are you going to approach that, that politician? And I've changed. I've been on both sides, like him, dislike him. But I've been consistent in that I don't want to break fellowship with you because you disagree with me, especially because I changed my mind. And now all of a sudden I would have been in a tight spot after having yeah. changed my mind. If now I'm going to go to the other side and say, you know, um, I was hard on you, but now, uh, now I'm on your side. Where I think this ties in with legalism is, um, I mean, some of it is overt. It's, it's flat out, you know, you're not saved if you've vote for this guy. You're not saved. If you didn't vote for this guy, you've got, you know, people anathematizing them each other over their vote. Yeah. But the angle that has gotten me really upset is not that overt anathematization over your vote. It's more subtle than that. And it's more, it's, it's more manipulative than that. And that, and it, I, I see legalism I first saw it with this presidential thing, this, the president, but I see it in this um, pandemic and church closures. And I, and I'm starting to see it in other issues too, where people just, they're like, well, you know, it's okay. You know, you're still my brother if you disagree with me, but does your view really glorify God as much as you want to? I mean, I know you really want to glorify God. Does your view really glorify God as much as, is the other side's view, you know, it's just kind of that little subtle whisper, like, yeah. And, and I, and I'm not saying every time somebody says, does, does your view glorify God that, that that's manipulative legalism, but that's, that's where I see manipulative legalism expressed. Yeah. And, and I think that's where it's, you know, one of the most common ways we can examine whether or not we're being manipulative is what is the reason I asked that question? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if I am just so dead set that I'm right and you're wrong and I have to play that card 
to make you go, oh, then I, I, I think I, I'm using it for the wrong reasons. I think there are legitimate reasons, as you, as you were pointing out, to ask, is a particular belief or position one that glorifies God? But we also have to be willing to recognize, uh, you were mentioning politics, different Christians drawing from biblical principles from an orthodox view are sometimes going to have differing views on a political matter. Now, I would argue there's never a good reason, for example, for voting for a Democrat Party candidate because of their public stance on things like abortion and, and uh, homosexuality and stuff. You might have, which would be the rare uh, uh, rare gem rather than the, tr- uh, the, than the rule, maybe the rare exception, you might have a Democrat who opposes those things and holds to maybe certain political views that are not consistent with, say, the Constitution, but they are they are in favor of godly moral values. That That's going to be a r- really hard needle to find, in my opinion. These days it argue, is. They've, most yeah. of them have been driven out. They were there exactly. when, when you and I were kids. They, they were there. They were there. They're much, much but more difficult. They've been driven out for the most part. The, for the most part, yeah. So if you could find someone and you presented that to me and there was a consistent record, I could say, okay, I can see where you're coming from and maybe I'm okay on that issue. But generally speaking, I'm not. I'm going to look at it and go. There's there's a clear biblical reason why you should not be voting for this person. But then you take our current president, who has a history with regards to his arrogance, his pride, his his treatment of women in the past, and so different Christians are going to look at it and go, well, because of all those past behaviors, I can, I can't imagine any Christian should ever vote for him, mm-hmm. and others who say. I agree. His past behavior is reprehensible. However, since president, this is what I've observed. And so therefore, this is why I believe I can vote for this individual. That's where we should be able to say, okay, different Christians falling on different sides of that discussion, drawing from biblical principles, they should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you if you take the stance, no Christian should ever not vote for this person or no Christian should ever vote for this person. And it's not because of clear-cut support for a anti-biblical thing such as abortion or or homosexuality or, or, or an anti-God stance. If you if your if your attitude is well in the past he's but now he's and you're using that as the kind of dividing line, yeah, that's where you're getting into that issue of legalism. And one of the problems I think as Christians is that. You mentioned earlier, it is really, really easy to find the egregious legalist. But how did the egregious legalist get to where he was? He didn't jump on that path. He didn't go from orthodoxy to legalism in one leap. He started somewhere. Mm -hmm. He started deviating from the path somewhere. And we as Christians— Or he was a false convert all along, yeah. That's true too. But I mean just just from understanding for us as Christians— there yeah. are ditches that if we're not careful, if we veer even a little bit to the left or to the right, we're going to go into them. Mm-hmm. And legalism is, especially for the Orthodox Christian, is one, in my opinion, that can become very, very easy to jump into because we are so concerned about the Word of God, what it says, what we should be doing, honoring God, and we can easily start to step just off that path to where we mandate 
that you believe as I do, practice as I do, vote as I do, um, decide whether or not my church should meet in person or not as I do. And we may not become an egregious legalist, but we start veering off that path. And if we are not careful to do that uh, solid self-examination and ask, why are we doing these things and checking our heart? I think that's where the danger, uh, the danger lies. And like you say, I think Twitter, ah, Twitter, Christian, (laughs) Christian Twitter is got a lot of us not realizing that we are closet legalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, 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 I we're kind of, we're running long now, definitely for my show. I think uh, probably yours as well, but um, I kind of going back to, I think the both, both of these two topics work well. And then, and also bringing back that law of Christ thing too. Yeah. With um, a tweet that, that I mentioned before we started and it was specifically talking about the church's reopening things. And, and uh, do we, do we listen to our civic leaders who say, no, don't open your churches. And um, I, I wish I could remember who it was. I just saw it yesterday or the day before somebody had tweeted that uh, in many ways, this is not a Romans 13 issue. It's a Romans 14 issue. Yeah. And, and that definitely ends up, coming you know romans 14 definitely comes in with this uh this legalism thing and and uh and i think the the um your vote i think is a is a is a big thing and that we we need to carry out the law of christ and loving our neighbor by allowing them to listen to their conscience mm-hmm. and and to not be passing judgment on each other you know, I I told you my view has changed on on a particular president, but one thing that hasn't has been that I I I don't think it's worth dividing over. And even before the election, I had great respect looking to Grace Community Church and and you know John MacArthur. Between MacArthur and Phil Johnson, they both have very different views. I mean, they're both elders at the same church. So it's not like a big theological difference. But uh, Phil Johnson was like, no, absolutely not. I cannot vote for this man for many of the reasons that you articulated. Mm-hmm. But uh, John MacArthur said, well, I'm not really voting for him. I'm voting for his coalition. I'm voting for the party. You know, that that's how we do our votes here in America is we uh we we have two parties and we vote for who the parties have put up and, and I can't vote for the other party. So therefore I'm voting for that party. Right. And they both had very good, solid reasons, uh, agree or disagree. They at least had good reasons why they stood on whatever side of that, uh, uh divide that they had and they're best of friends. So, I mean, if they can do it, we should also yeah. be able to do it to say, okay, you don't, you don't like this politician and maybe it's not the president. Maybe it's your local congressman or mayor or something um there's definitely room that's just this is i see this is definitely a shades of gray issue as long as we're not talking about murdering babies and um you know um other issues that are egregiously violations of of scripture it uh you know i i look on on that particular side of the political aisle as on a gospel issue not that that 
the scripture commands me to vote for them. But what I look at it as is like one side of the political aisle will do everything in their power to persecute me to the best of their ability to shut down my church, um, to, to, to take away my rights to worship and to fellowship. And the other side might not help me, but they're certainly not getting in my way. Yeah. And I definitely see that with this president. I don't believe yeah. he's saved. I don't believe he's my brother in Christ, but he's certainly not getting in the way of, uh, ge generally speaking of my right to worship. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big deal to me. And I think one thing that really helped, and I go back to this uh, many times, but I did a show with Pat Abendroth on the two kingdoms and, and just seeing our civil kingdom as completely separate from our redemptive kingdom really helps a lot. Yeah. And, and seeing, I mean, <laughs> you work in that kingdom, yeah. you know, and, and just seeing that the, that the God ordained purpose of that kingdom is just to, um, to minimize evil, to, to restrain evil. Are, are these people restraining evil or are they restraining evil better than their opponent would restrain evil? That's a big deal. Right. Who's going to, who's going to do the better job of restraining evil? And right. that, that helps inform my vote a little better too. I might yeah. not like them. I might not think, I might think that their personality is sometimes outright disgusting, but are they restraining evil? Are they staying out of my way so I can go worship in peace? Yeah, no. And I absolutely agree with that. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, we are to demonstrate that we are Christ by the love we have one for another. And yes, love is corrective. Love brings a rebuke when it's necessary, but love also allows for different people to have differing views on certain issues. No, we cannot have a different issue on the murdering of babies. Every, you know, God is clear on that. But how I share my vote. Whether I think I'm by being obedient to a government mandate to meet virtually as opposed in person, those are things that different Christians in different environments are going to have differing perspectives on. And showing love is, yes, expressing your perspective, but also listening to and understanding why someone believes differently and giving them the freedom to do that as opposed to hold to my view or I don't think you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, and this is why, this is one of the reasons I say social media is the bane of Christian existence because it, social media is one of those things where it's like, I get to be an expert because <laughs> I have declared myself so, and you have to bow to the the uh, the the uh, the power of my wisdom. And if you don't, I will anathematize you <laughs> by blocking you. Um, but <laughs> I'm able to be loud, therefore I need to be heard. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so it's it 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 is a great tool, but it is a dangerous tool, mm -hmm. and it is not always served us well because. Where you and I can talk like this and we have a conversation and, and what people don't realize is we're, we're, we have the Skype video up so we can see each other's face even right now. Yep. We can communicate body language. We can communicate tone of voice. We can communicate a lot of things that a conversation actually allows you to do. The internet doesn't and it takes all those things away and it strips it to, work, to letters on a screen and it makes it so hard to actually be loving as a Christian and allowing for those things. And that's where that ditch of legalism or antinomianism can easily be developed because we forget 
that's a brother and sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we want to remove them from the, because they're not agreeing with me. So we want to remove that possibility. So I don't have to show love. I don't have to show respect. And it's a very dangerous place. That's such a key. And that's why I kept wanting to come back to that love of Christ thing. I almost should have called that our topic, you know, the the, the (laughs) law of Christ. And maybe I'll do that sometime, do do a show on the law of Christ. And and how do we carry that out in so many different different ways? But, you know, even as you were talking, I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, I, it's so sometimes when I get on to politics, it's hard to get off. But, um, you know, we're talking about how we handle that. And I, I, I think that the shades of gray can can be deeper than even we want to acknowledge sometimes in that, like you were talking about, I don't think it's ever right to vote for a Democrat. Okay. For the most part, I agree with you. Yeah. Now, if if you got saved a week before the election, you've been a Democrat all your life otherwise, and you're, you've now been in the faith for a week, and you're gravitating towards the at least what the Democrats say they're for, like feeding the poor and um, you know helping the little guy and all that stuff. Now, I don't believe for a minute that that's what they're about, but that's what they say they're about, and that's what their supporters support them for. Being a week old in the Lord, I probably will let it go that you voted for him, for a Democrat. Now, if you've been a if you've been a saved for 10, 15, 20 years and you're voting that way, now I now I'm going to have a different stance on that. I'm going to want to yeah. I think your your conscience hasn't grown in that time that you've been in the Lord. And, Absolutely. Um and, and I'm going to want to do what I can to disciple you in a loving way to to, to to sharpen you as iron sharpens iron. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to anathematize the weak old Christian the way I would, you know, so-called, oh, you're, you've been saved for 30 years and you're, you, you, you stand on the Democrat party platform firm top to bottom. Um, you know, there, that's a problem. Yeah. So, and I think that there are so many other areas and, and I think that Romans 14 was good, but also, you know, meat sacrifice to idols kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, Really, the, there are a lot of times when the loving thing to do is, it might be frustrating that somebody disagrees with you, but the loving thing to do is to just let somebody practice what their conscience tells them. And if you think it's egregiously wrong, that's what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about teaching and walking people through the scripture and iron sharpening iron and building each other up. Not tearing each other down that, well, you don't do things the way I like. Therefore, you you know, do you really glorify God in what you're doing then? Yeah. So. No, I, abs- I absolutely agree, brother. Absolutely agree. And uh, hopefully one of the things that these discussions do is it causes us to check our hearts and causes us to think biblically. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I doing what am I doing? What is the scripture you know, command me on these things. Where are areas that I can have the freedom to be in different, you know, different view than my brother or sister, yet still call them my brother and sister. And mm-hmm. that's what, what we, we, Rich and I have always tried to do with our show is, is to encourage Christians to think from that perspective, uh, to look at everything from a biblical perspective in totality, not just in one particular issue, though yeah. that issue may be very important. But look at it in totality. What is the command of Scripture throughout all of it? And the, the law of Christ commands me to love my brother and sister in Christ. And I may have to be rebuking, but I can also be an encouragement. And I think 
it's real easy to take the rebuking side. It's not always easy for us to do the encouraging side. Well, and then so many topics, like, can you, regardless of which side you take, can you be doing it in love? Because that's really, that's, that's right. That's the important thing. You know, are you staying away from the physical church because you're loving your fellow churchgoer and you don't want to get them sick? Or are you insisting on meeting because you love them and and you want to feed and, and nourish them in the word? Now, both of those things can be very loving things, regardless of the circumstances in your locality. You know, they can yep. both be very loving ways to take it. And and that's really the way to handle it. Agreed. So, well, Chris, thanks so much for coming on with me for episode 145, but also for having me as guest co-host <laughs> in on Voice of Reason. And uh, surely was a a joy to, to, to meet with you again. And, uh, no, I was... Yeah, it was awesome. It was wonderful. I love having you on our show for once <laughs> and uh, and being part of yours is again, uh, I love these kind of conversations between brothers in Christ. And it's what we always strive to do is is to have these kind of conversations. So we I'm grateful for having you coming on and, and inviting me on your program. And thank, uh, thank you for uh, making this possible. Cool. And um, you can find both of our shows if you're listening to Chris's show. You can find mine at the Christian Podcast Community. And likewise, if you're listening to Echo Zoe Radio, you can find Voice Voice of Reason at the Christian Podcast Community. How else can they find you? Uh, you can find us on our website at slavetothekeen.com. And uh, you can also find uh, our uh, show page for Facebook is uh, – on Facebook, you just look up Voice of Reason Radio. Make sure you get the Voice of Reason Radio <laughs> full title because we discovered after we created the program, there are atheist programs that like to go by Voice of Reason. So, <laughs> oops. Fallaciously, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so uh, just make sure you you, uh, you look for it there. But if you go to slavetothekeen.com, you can find all our social media links on there as well. Cool. And I'm at echozoe.com, E-C-H-O-Z-O-E.com. That's from the Greek. If you come check out the website, you'll see where that comes from. It's, but uh, cool. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing a show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 145. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com 145. Be sure to check out the website also to connect with Echo Zoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and I'd love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echo Zoe Ministries. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the June episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 